All right, friends, as we turn to Scripture, let's pray together. Guide us, O God, by your word and spirit, that as your scriptures are read and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. In the spirit of Christ, we pray. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the gospel according to Matthew chapter 4. Let's listen for what the Spirit is saying to us. From that time, Jesus began to proclaim, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A 21-year-old college student staggers into his apartment. He's feeling empty, lost, directionless and a night with friends couldn't ease his sadness. He throws himself on the bed, and he notices an old Bible sitting on the shelf. He got it back when he was a kid in church. He hadn't opened it since then, probably hadn't been to church in years, but for some reason he had held on to that Bible. And as a sign of how desperate he was, he grabbed it and tossed it on the bed, and it flopped open to the Gospel of John chapter 16, and his, his bleary eyes fell on these words of Jesus, you have pain now, but I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and no one will take your joy away from you. These words marked a turning point in his life, a new direction, a new chapter, He wanted to find that joy that couldn't be taken away from him, and he wanted to help other people find it too. And so he started on a new path that eventually led to him becoming a minister. Now, this is what is sometimes called a call story. If you're a minister, you are often asked to tell your call story in one form or another, that story of the moment when your life lurched in a new direction, when God grabbed you by the scruff of the neck and turned you around. Every minister has a call story. In seminary, we're taught to kind of work our call story up, right? Some are better than others. Some have more special effects, visions and voices and lights and all of that, but they all have a pretty familiar pattern. And there are some spectacular call stories in the Bible. The prophet Isaiah had a vision of the temple filled with flickering candles and clouds of incense with winged creatures shouting back and forth and the glory of God was crammed into every corner of the place. And he cried out that he was dead and done for until one of the winged creatures picked up a burning coal and touched it to his lips and then told him he had to go speak for God. Now that is a call story. Paul, 
who was known as Saul at the time, was on his way to Damascus to put down some troublesome Christians when a voice knocked the wind out of him and and a light hit him so hard he lost his vision. And for three days he was blinded by that light. And when at last he could see again, Saul had become Paul. And instead of persecuting Christians, he became their chief apostle. Well, in between these two spectacular call stories... We have our gospel reading for today, another call story. Peter and Andrew are by the Sea of Galilee casting their nets when Jesus comes along and calls them to follow, telling them, I will make you fish for people. And without hesitation, the text says immediately, without asking a question, they drop their nets and follow. And then James and John are in a boat with their father, Zebedee, And Jesus calls, and they drop everything and jump out of the boat and splash their way to the shore to follow Jesus. I'm sure you've heard call stories like this before. Maybe you've got one of your own. If we had more time, I'd like to go around the room and you could share your own call stories. But sometimes, sometimes I think these spectacular call stories do more harm than good. Because they can make the divine call seem so dramatic, so singular, so disruptive of everything that was going on before that they can cause us to miss the quieter calls of our lives. Now, we often associate the call with being a minister. You know, ministers, we're not hired by congregations. We're called. But I'm going to let you in on a little secret. In some ways... Heather, cover your ears. In some ways, the call to ministry is easy. I'm a professional Christian. It's my job to try to follow the way of Jesus. I get to spend most of my time, most days, thinking about what faith means in the 21st century. That call is actually pretty easy. You have the harder call. You have to try to follow the way of Jesus as that gets all tangled up with your day-to-day lives, with your family and work and play, with your eating and spending and voting and on and on. And you don't have the luxury of sitting around and thinking about religion day after day. It's my job to be here on Sunday morning, not yours. And yet here you are, Sunday after Sunday, maybe two out of three, trying, trying to hear a divine whisper, trying to find some deeper life, some more faithful existence. You have the harder call. There's another character in this story from Matthew that we really never talk about. Did you notice the text tells us that Zebedee, the father of James and John, was sitting in the boat? When we hear this story, the camera in our mind automatically follows James and John as they go off to follow Jesus. But what if we let the camera linger on Zebedee for a while? Was Zebedee called too? Apparently, he wasn't called to drop everything and go on the road with his sons, but he had a call too, a quieter call, and maybe a harder call. For one thing, Zebedee was called to let go, to let go of his sons, to let go of the future he had in mind for them. 
to let go of someone or something you love so that it can become something new, oh, that is a hard call. I still haven't recovered from moving my daughter Ella into her college dorm last August. Now, she spent this weekend in New Orleans on some kind of college sorority trip, so she's growing up pretty fast. I know that, but in my mind, she's still that kid who wrote her own songs and played them on the ukulele while she danced around on the couch and sang at the top of her lungs. I'm still learning to let go of that kid, letting go of things you love, even when you know it is right and good. That is a hard call. And we should acknowledge that's always in the air in our congregations too. That tension between holding on to beloved traditions and practices and letting them go to make room for something new. We're always called to let some things go, even some things that we love. That's a hard call. So Zebedee was called to let go of his sons He was also called to go back home to his ordinary life. You know, he wasn't called to walk the high road of adventure. He wasn't called to roam the hills with the Messiah. He was called to find God within the life he already had. He was called to find the Messiah in the faces of those he loved and those who needed him. He was called to go on doing what he was already doing, being a father and a husband and a friend and a fisherman, only doing it in a new way with with God's love shining through. So maybe that is the hardest call of all, not the big call to drop everything and head off in an entirely new direction, not even the call sometimes to let go of something we love so that it can become something new, but no, the the smaller calls, the moment-by-moment calls, this task, this conversation, this message, this meal, infusing these moments with grace and love. Maybe that's our most essential call, to practice goodness and generosity in the small space of the choice that is right in front of us. No matter who you are, no matter where you are in life, you have what each of us has, one whole life on this earth with tasks in it that we may do well or poorly and with people in it whom we may lift up or bring down. Every night when we lie down to sleep, there is either more grace in the world because of us or there is less. And this remains true whether we've ever had a vision or been blinded by heavenly light or are just living out our ordinary day-to-day holy lives. Our purpose, for God's sake, is to increase the abundance of grace in this world. Isaac, son of Aaron, was a poor man living in Krakow. And one night his sleep was disturbed by a dream. He was walking over a bridge in the city of Prague when a voice told him to look under the bridge for a priceless treasure. And and night after night, Isaac, son of Aaron, had the same dream. Finally, Isaac journeyed to Prague, 
and found the bridge and began looking underneath it for treasure. He was interrupted by a policeman. What are you doing? The policeman demanded. Isaac blurted out that he had had a dream that there was a treasure here and he was searching for it. You fool, the policeman said. You believe in dreams, do you? Well, for the last two weeks, I myself have dreamed that in the city of Krakow, in the home of a peasant named Isaac, son of Aaron, there's a treasure hidden under the stove in the kitchen. But you don't see me wasting my time looking for someone and something that doesn't exist. Go home, foolish dreamer, the policeman said. Isaac, son of Aaron, did go home. He moved the stove in the kitchen and found buried there a priceless treasure, and he lived a long and contented and generous life. Now, every day, every moment, even this moment, we are called, called to holy work. There is no other kind. Called to awe and justice and kindness and a joy that can't be taken away from us. Called to increase the abundance of grace in the world. But to do that, amidst all the ordinary busyness of life, to find that beauty shining right in the midst of the mundane, to discover the treasure hidden under the stove, the divine hidden within us and among us, that may be the hardest call of all. So today, in this moment, in every moment, let us work together to answer that call. Thanks be to God. Amen.